Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. Taking Stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and with me today, I got Anthony. And we'll be joined by, hopefully, a couple more people as the show goes on. And, I mean, it's been a crazy couple weeks for the Heat, and y'all can probably tell that by our names. I still got the same thing as I've had since the beginning of this season. I don't really want to change it because I don't want to lose hope just yet. And then meanwhile, you got Anthony over here who's trying to troll me by changing it to the Heat are not winning the chip. So there's that too. But yeah, I mean, overall, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. This is like the way how we're just contradicting each other is crazy right now. But um, anyways, it's been a crazy past couple weeks, like I said, bro. We was in a seven-game losing streak. And I'm just happy to say that we're, we didn't continue the streak going into this pod, all right? We killed it. It's no longer alive. We're actually talking about something aside from the losing streak. I just wish that, unlike last pod, we could get into today's episode without the most recent Heat game having to be an L. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. Um, In case y'all missed it, last night, the Heat played the Clippers, and we went off to a good start. You know, I think at one point it was like 11-3 to three or something like that. And I was very happy because one thing that I've been calling for throughout the entire, well, not the entire season, but these past couple of weeks is that it doesn't seem like Miami has too much statement wins, you know, against some of these big contenders that are out there. And that's the thing that kind of irks me a lot because, you know, last year we had our struggles, but even though we were losing a lot of games um, left and right, we were still getting some statement wins against some of the best teams in the NBA. We had a good win against Boston last year. We had um, like two or three great wins against um, Milwaukee. You know, we had great wins against other teams in the Western Conference too. We had some good wins that showed people like, yeah, we might not be looking good right now, but y'all see the way how we're playing against this team, that team, that team. So if y'all have them in the finals and we're out here beating them easily like that, then y'all better believe we might be on to something by the time the playoffs come. And unfortunately, this year, we're kind of in the same situation as last year. The only difference is that we don't have those statement wins. You know, we're 0-2 against Phoenix. We're now 0-2 against the Clippers. We're 0-2 against Boston and Milwaukee. So there's that. We just haven't had any good wins. And I won't try to ignore some of the success we've had because we've beaten Philly this year, albeit without Embiid, while we didn't have Jimmy too. So shout out to them for that and to Jaime for having a great game he had that night. 
Um, you also had the win against Cleveland, albeit that was without Donovan Mitchell. And I think someone from the Heat was out for that game too. But bottom line is that it just hasn't been a lot of statement-type wins for the Heat. And last night was kind of discouraging because you go up against a team like the Clippers, and while they were able to put up a fight, you know, by the time you got into the fourth quarter, it just seemed kind of over with. You know, they were there, they were having their way. And I won't try to discredit the Heat too much because then again, two of your best shooters wasn't playing that night with Duncan being out and then Tyler suddenly sitting out that game. And that was crazy because I literally fell asleep and I woke up right before the game start and I see the starting lineup. And then after that, I see the report saying that Tyler Hero is not going to play. So it's like, wait, did I not see him in the starting lineup just now? So I was just so confused. And then I literally had to ask a couple people what is going on right now. And then they told me, okay, nah, he's not playing. So there was that. Bottom line, though, is that yesterday it sucked because it seemed like Jimmy was out here um, not playing some of his best defense. And I know we're all going to pull, pull on him to be playoff Jimmy by the time April comes around. So I won't try to, like, stress it too much. But when you have an elite two, two-way player like him and he's out here, um, I think, like I mentioned um, before the show, like 16 shots were attempted on him and 10 of them were made, you know. I'm just hoping that it really is him just trolling because I'd hate to see, like, the regression is already starting. And I'm not going to believe into it until April through June comes around because that's when you know you're getting the legit Jimmy Butler. The only exception being 2021. We don't talk about that year for obvious reasons. All of that aside, Anthony, I know you got some thoughts that you want to get out of the way so the mic is yours. I mean, going into last night's game defensively outside like obviously like you said Jimmy didn't have the greatest game defensively as a team I thought we did decently the Clippers didn't have their best night offensively but um I think this is the lowest amount the Clippers have scored since like November if I'm not mistaken when I so it's like their fourth lowest score of the year so to me that really stood out as a positive in a game full of not so many positives, but that was probably the one that stuck out the most to me. Terry Rozier, I mean, the efficiency is a real concern, especially when you have Tyler in the backcourt next to him. Hard to have two guys on the court at the same time, neither of which can play efficient basketball. So I'm hoping that'll pick up. Um, Caleb Martin, oh my goodness, that one play where he drove (laughs) in on Mason Plumlee, no foul call on that. Exactly. That was ridiculous. James Harden was getting I didn't know what I was looking at. Right. Like James Harden was getting the most ridiculous calls imaginable. Had Haywood Highsmith in foul trouble. But you're telling me that wasn't a foul on the Clippers when Caleb made that shot. I don't I don't know what I was watching. Like I, I was shocked when they when mm-hmm. they just inbounded the ball. I was like, all right, then. And then I mean my biggest concern with the team right now outside of obvious like efficiency issues is I mean Hame has not looked the greatest since coming back from injury to me. I yeah. mean if you just look at the box score I mean 744 but I he had multiple defensive breakdowns I mean multiple turnovers shot really poorly especially I think he was like 3 of 11 or something. But I think he's finally – not to criticize him because he's had a great rookie season, but it just feels like 
he's hitting that rookie wall that a lot of guys tend to hit that aren't those generational talent type guys like Webb, like Chet. I mean, it happens to almost everybody, so it's understandable. Right. And I mean, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, the fact that he is coming back from an injury, you know, so I don't know how much of an impact yeah. that has had on his game so far. But like you mentioned, it's kind of discouraging to see considering all the hype that he had at one point. I mean, there was a time where we was getting insane amount of views on Heat versus the world just by talking about Jaime. Like everyone was in love with the dude, you know, so he also didn't have a great night defensively either, um, as we've mentioned, because I think um, I mentioned the Jimmy stat where um, folks was scoring um, 10 of their 16 possessions on him. Uh, for Jaime, um, people was seven out of eleven. You know when they shot on Jaime, so there's that too. Um, hopefully he's able to break out of whatever it is he's going through right now. If it is a rookie role, well, I mean, like I said, I I don't want to try to look that type of direction, but I'm really hoping not because it's been such a fun season watching him bowl out, especially because the Heat have hit on a few draft picks here and there, of course, but. For a guy that nobody had much expectations for, I mean, we as Heat fans, some of us had the expectation he would be ready to go because this is a guy who was a four-year player out of college and everything. So you would expect him to be ready when the lights are at its brightest. But even then, though, you know, like, I just still want that dude to bowl out and still show people why he was at one point the third best rookie in the whole NBA and the overall best rookie in the Eastern Conference and not Brandon Miller. So if he could step it up, that would mean so much to me. Hopefully he can get through what he's going through right now. And let's see. My guy Alex is here. So in case you missed it, Alex, um, we was just talking about this Clippers game overall and some of the performances we saw last night. So I just want to know, bro, like real quick, what's your thoughts about yesterday's game? Um, what's up, y'all? Everybody can hear me? Yep. I say yeah. So yesterday's game, obviously. I mean, the Heat didn't get the didn't get the dub. I saw some good things from from Terry, and um, I mean, Bam had a had a rough one shooting the ball again. Jay Rich played okay, but that was one of those games where I feel like um, like in a matchup like that, you need Jimmy to impose his will even more than he did. Because I mean, I mean, he shot the ball nineteen times, which that's uh, that's been a lot for him and how he's been playing but like I feel like he should have been looking to make even more of a statement and and for us to really have gotten a win yesterday um we needed him to be around around at least getting to 30 points during that game so it was that was rough because I mean what Terry was 0 for 5 from 3. I'm looking at the box score right now. Like, Terry was 0 for 5, and Jay Rich was 2 for 8 on all good looks. So, we just needed needed a little bit more. As, shoot, I mean, obviously, we needed more from Bam. He had 14 points on 13 shots. So, it was just – it was a rough one. <laughs> I, I ain't going to lie. I just – I just took a took a look at um at what Anthony has under his name in regards to how different it is from what you have under your name, Joel. So <laughs> I got faith, man. I got faith. All right. Like I don't 
I'll say this, man. Like I, I like I said before, you know, I said this before you pulled up, Alex. Like, I just want to see the Heat get more statement wins, you know, because it just doesn't seem like we've had enough this year. Because if you look at some of our big wins in the regular season last season, like there was a ton you could choose from, whether if it was Jimmy coming back that game against Boston, you know, he gets on Instagram, tells everyone, oh, you know, I'm on my way and stuff. And then he hits that dagger to get us to win there. Jimmy getting that game-winning block on Devin Booker, that game against Phoenix. You know, there's so many games you can look at last year that just stood out as iconic for the Heat in that regular season they had, despite the fact that they was also losing like five games at the same time every now and then too. But this season, we just haven't really had those types of performances. And you know what? I'll say this too. We did get a win against Sacramento the other night, and I do want to give the Heat flowers for that because they have two really good players on there. Um, at least one of them, at the very most, deserved to be an all-star this year. So, you know, I'll give them their flowers for that, especially because Sacramento does have a better record than the Heat. Um, but even then, you know, it's not type of the ideal, what's it called, statement win I would have wanted for the squad. Because at the end of the day, it's like nobody looks at Sacramento and is like, oh, shoot, you know, this team might win the championship this year. You know, nobody looks at them like that. And that's why, like, I look at this upcoming schedule for the Heat. This either has the potential to be really good for the squad or it has the potential to be a nightmare for this team. And I don't know. I want this to be a success, not because, you know, I want to see the Heat get wins. Of course I do. But simply because of the fact that I want to know that we can go out there and we can hang with the best of teams. Our record could be one of 81 in the regular season, but you can count us to get the wins against the teams that are really good in this league right now. We didn't get one against the Clippers, and you know what? If it was a bad night, that's fine. But we got there's going to be a time very soon where we're going to be playing the Celtics, then, um, well, I don't know the exact word. It's going to be Celtics, then, um, Philly, and then uh, who's the other team? Milwaukee. I think it's Boston, Milwaukee, then Philly, you know, in the next three games. Not um, upcoming right now, but later on, um, I think in a week from today. So you have a schedule like that, and some people are looking at that, and they're scared. But for me, I look at that as an opportunity for the Heat to go out there, play the type of basketball that we know you're capable of playing when y'all are at your best, and show people what you were able to show last year in the regular season that we are capable of being a very good team. Just because our record doesn't show for it, we can go out and do and play the type of basketball that's needed to go and do what we did last year and make it to the finals. So I'm looking at this as a huge opportunity for the squad to go out there and do what's needed. And before we continue, I just want to know, does anyone want to add anything? I would say just in terms of those three games you're talking about with Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston coming up, right? At this point, Philly doesn't act as too much of a threat because Embiid's sidelined indefinitely, unfortunately. Um, that's a bummer, obviously. But so that game, I feel like should be, it should be expected as a win. It won't be because it's the Miami Heat. But <laughs> if they go out and they get, a close win over one of Boston and Milwaukee. And they, like, if they somehow managed to really put a statement win in against one of them, 
that'll change everyone's narrative about them. Like without a doubt, whether they make moves in the next couple days or not, like if you go three and zero in that span, that says something about your team. Exactly. Because like we've mentioned before, we've seen what this team can do against the very best, you know? So that's all that matters to me. I'm excited for this upcoming schedule because this, in my opinion, will at least tell me somewhat of what I need to know about this squad. And there's only so much you can tell about the regular season heat because even then they'll still troll very bad, even in the play-in too. Because I remember thinking that after they lost to Atlanta that that was going to be it. And clearly it wasn't because we saw what they did next after that. So, but if you can just go out there and like we're playing Denver too at one point later on this month. So that's going to be a finals rematch. I don't know if we're going to be playing at Denver, but I know we haven't played them at all this year. So we're going to have that one game there and one game in Miami. If you can go out there and get a nice little statement win against them too, by all means necessary, that's awesome. But go out there and show the NBA what you're capable of doing. Because right now, everyone was talking about this seven-game losing streak. <clears throat> Everyone's saying that this alleged black magic that we've been using all this time has, a, for some reason, left the door. You know, everyone's making fun of it. Oh, he culture this, he culture that. Well, now it's time to show everyone that we're still the same good team that sent all y'all to Cancun on the way to going to the finals. But... Overall, we still got a lot of basketball left to be played. So, you know, we just got to be patient with it. And like I said, hopefully the very best can happen in these next few games because I really look at this as the opportunity to finally get some statement wins. And I cannot stress that enough. So going on to my next topic real quick, um, it would be crazy to do a pod before the trade deadline and not at least touch on a few possible names that the Heat could go after. And it seems like the Heat <clears throat> are in an interesting situation because there's been a couple names to come up here and there, but we don't know if the Heat will actually make another move. As we all know, they went and got Terry Rozier just a couple weeks back, and it's interesting. I, one thing I will say is the fact that they made the trade as fast as they did. Um, they made this back in like what the 24th, I want to say, and probably not even. Yeah, I think the 24th, I'm not completely sure. And the reason why I was so amused with the trade at the time was not only the fact that we went and landed Terry, but the fact that we were able to go out and make a deal like a couple weeks ahead of time before the deadline. And to me, that was very important because that allows Miami to be in this situation where you can continue to monitor the team and see, okay, you know what? We might need to make this move now. We might need to make that move because we're still doing bad on this. So it will be interesting to see the Heat potentially make a deal. I'm not sure if they will. There's been a lot of conflicting reports. There's been some people saying that, you know, the Heat could go after this guy or that guy. I know we've heard the rumors about people like Dorian Finney-Smith and all of them. And then also to add on, there's been the rumors going on about um, DeMar DeRozan, like literally today. I don't know how many of you guys saw that, but he, apparently his, um, what's it called, associates or whoever, they went out and let it be known that Miami would be one of the teams he'd be interested in going to if Chicago is to trade him. So there's that as well. There's a lot of interesting names out there to say the least, but... It will be interesting to see what Miami does. I know Barry Jackson recently came out and said that 
you know, the Heat already went and made their one trade. And some people get annoyed with Barry thinking that he's just simply stating his negative opinions or whatever. But I do believe that some of his opinions do hold weight towards what the Miami Heat are actually thinking of or, you know, considering doing at that very moment. So who knows? Maybe the Heat do feel fine after that Terry trade. If they decide to go out there and make another move, whether if it's trading a guy like a Caleb Martin because his contract will be, well, it doesn't expire, but he does have the potential to be a free agent this offseason, all that other stuff. If you can go out and make a trade by then, that's awesome. You know, if you can find a trade that's similar to what we made back in 2020 where we were able to get Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and see how much of an impact that type of move made for our chances to make it to the finals. If you can go out and find a type of trade like that, that can benefit you and, you know, move the needle for you come playoff time, that's awesome. You know, it's just a matter of can we be able to find that move. So uh, I'm going to pass the mic to you first, Alex. Is there anything that's on your mind as we get ready for this trade deadline? Um, What's on my mind is, honestly, I don't think that the Heat are actually going to make another move. Like, I think right now that, I mean, Pat Riley kind of sort of said it earlier this past offseason or season in regards to the fact of basically wanting to see this build basically and, and hope that Bam or Tyler could average the 25 points a game that he, that he thought they could make a jump to, which I've let me known that I don't think that either one of them are built to be able to do that and to take pressure off Jimmy. So I honestly do think that um, if there is a move made, it's not going to be as significant as we want it to be. And they're going to try and go throughout the rest of this season, try to figure out can Terry Rozier and Tyler Hero be a competent backcourt together. And then this offseason, they'll look to actually shake something up, which, I mean, as you can see under my name, it says new build, please, because of the fact that this has been five years with them trying to figure out everything with um, – with basically Jimmy Bam and then them trying to thrust Tyler into the old, oh, this is, this is the third guy. So I think, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I think we're not going to get what we want and we're just going to have to have to live with what we got and figure it out and go from there. Right. And I just want to now pass the mic to our guy, Kay, who's on the show. Um, so we talked about a bit of this Clippers game, and now we're kind of going into possible moves that he can make with the trade deadline coming soon. So I just want to know, like, you know, do you have any quick thoughts on the Clippers game and what potential moves you feel like the Heat could or maybe probably shouldn't make as we get near the deadline? Yeah, man. What's up, guys? Alex and Joe. How y'all doing? People out there, first of all. Um... Yeah, man. I mean, the Clippers game, I think we kind of had these discussions off air, just like in private group chats. For me, you're talking to, you know, teams that I consider tough teams. I consider good teams and they plan at their peak. You want to say, like, the, the main complaint is the Miami Heat couldn't break 100 points. Well, the Clippers only scored 103. 
I mean, and they're one of the best teams in the league over the past 30 games or so. So I said that to say sometimes it ain't about teams not being able to score as much as teams being able to play defense. Um, for the Miami Heat, though, they didn't have their main two shooters. And the thing about it is when you're a team that shoots in the upper 38%, nearly 40%, and you shot 26%, you can't be missing both of those guys, like one or the other, especially when both of those guys are your top two outside shooters. You saw a guy like Jimmy Butler take it upon himself, um, get himself more involved from an outside shooting perspective because that's Jimmy. He knew what the Miami Heat were going to need. Um, and then you look on the other side and Kawhi went nuts in that third quarter, um, <clears throat> mainly knocking down the outside shot. And he didn't really like go crazy from a volume perspective, but what he did was he knocked down timely outside shots and scared the heck out of you as a defense. And that created space and good looks for the rest of his guys. And then you had James Harden drawing those ticky-tack fouls and hitting a big three or two, catch and shoot, pull up, however he had to do it. But that was all predicated off the fact that Kawhi came on the third quarter and just enforced his will on the game. And that started with his ability to knock down the outside shot because then what that made you do was press up on him. So then he gets to that mid-range game that he loves so much. He's able to get to the cup. He's able to drift, you know, drive and kick out to guys, as I mentioned, like James Harden for open shots get Paul George involved late in the game when they need him most after he did nothing in the third period. But again, back to the point, Kawhi was killing. He opened the game up. So, you, I mean, you don't really need Paul George to go off if Kawhi's playing like he's playing. Again, back to that point. It's two teams, played a tough game, scored in a band like, what, 96 to 103. So the Miami Heat didn't crack 100, but the Clippers, again, one of the best teams in the league over the last 30 games. So 25 and 5, I want to say, um, they were only three over 100. So potentially, we were just looking at two teams that decided they were going to play some hellified defense in a league where it's random. I mean, well, it's regular to see both teams score 120 plus points. So, I mean, I don't look at that as dire as other people do. I just feel like the two guys that were out um, in Sunday's game, Tyler Hero with his migraine situation and Duncan Robinson with the ever evolving concussion situation that we want to keep a monitor on. Um, those are just the absolute worst two guys to be missing at the same time because they were your outside shooters. And again, to sum it all up, this Miami team shot 8 of 30, 26%, like I said. They're 38% three-point shooting team. Let's just say if they shoot halfway better, which still is, hell, six percentage points off their average. If they just shoot 31%, then that means they make three or four more threes. If they make three or four more threes, game flow, considering the actual point production, they win this game by six or seven points. I mean, things like that matter to me. So I'm not really tripping over, you know, the results or how it happened. Um, I like this Miami Heat team show some grit late in that game to try to do what they could do to come back. But they lost. I mean, and that happens. So this isn't a make or break. I'm not going to have a conniption over there since I told you guys in the group chat last night. As far as moves go, I mean, even leading up to the Terry Rozier move, I think my sentiments were the same. I'm always about improving this Miami Heat team, but I'm not about making moves just for the sake of making moves. I'm not about making move moves. I'm not about making dire moves now because that's not how the Miami Heat operate now, then, or have ever operated. They do smart things, and that's how you end up with a Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson, and Josh Richardson only comes back a year and a half, two years later, because the Miami Heat operate smartly. They don't operate on the same type impromptu timing as it seems the rest of the league does so you have to trust that whatever they're doing they're being thoughtful they're being logical and they're being sensible about it now with that being said you look at terry Rogier. you eventually got him for a first round pick in kyle Lowry's contract that's an absolute win for the miami heat i'm always about make the move but what's the cost so for me 
if there's a move out there to be made and it makes sense, then you make it. If it's cost effective, then you make it. I mean, that's point blank period. A lot of people want to dangle Caleb Martin out there. And I think it's important to consider if they're going to resign him. I agree. If you know you're not going to resign him, then you try to trade him and get something for him because he's a valuable piece that can bring you back an asset that can help you win now. But if you don't know, or if you think there's an inkling that you're going to resign him, then you don't trade him because games like Sunday where he was attacking the cup, making things happen, creating havoc on both ends are the exact example of why you want a guy like him on your team when he's right. And lastly, because I know I'm catching up, you speak to a guy like Jaime Hawkins, a guy like Caleb Martin, and a guy like Jay Rich, for example. I I've been speaking all season, um, whether that be on the main pod here on our show, Catch the Bits Break, whenever we do it, we try to do that midweek in the minute in between time of this pod, Catch the Bits Game Breakdown. Me and Dame, Joel on the boards, anybody else from the network that want to pop on, always glad to have you. But I've been saying it all season long, we got to get these guys time to get the rust off, to shake back, to actually get their game legs under them, to get over the injuries that kept them from, you know, being in the lineup as early on. You look at Jay Rich and Caleb Martin to begin the season. You look at Hami Hawkins coming back from that groin injury now. I mean, that all of that plays into it, um, whether that be trade deadline, whether that be the Clippers game. I mean, it's just about making sense. It's about being patient. And it's about this Miami Heat team being the best version of themselves. Now, whether they make a move or not, if they play like they're supposed to play, they should still be right in it. And that's, you know, pow, pow, pow. Write that new bill, please. And Heat are not winning the chip. Love you, Alex. Love you, Anthony. <laughs> right. And I mean, like, and I was saying this, um, like, when we were um, talking about the game minutes back that, you know, everyone was, um, like, for me, I know a lot of people was concerned about Jimmy's performance last night because while he was able to provide you some uh, offense, you know, there's already the concerns on defense because, you know, there's a stat going out that, you know, last night he shot 10 of 16. Well, no, not he. Um, players was scoring um, 10 of 16 from the field when being guarded by Jimmy. So you already have the thing about, you know, him being regressed and stuff. But his defense just completely regressing or whatever. But I still got faith that by the time, like, April comes around, I mean, we're going to get playoff Jimmy. And I know you feel the same way, Kay, right? I mean, so when Paul George, I mean, when Jimmy was giving Paul George work on the block, uh, when he was hitting Kawhi with them big boy moves at the at the cup, like nobody highlighted that. Right. They, they nobody highlighted that, or are we just gonna sit here and act like there aren't three Hall of Famers on the other side, and Jimmy could find himself matched up on any one of them at any given time because the Miami Heat play a team branded defense, and I don't care if it was Jimmy, Prime Jordan, Kobe, or Tony Allen on the other side. When you're talking Kawhi. Paul George, James Harden, and even Russell Westbrook to a certain extent, they're going to beat you sometime. They're Hall of Famers. Preach. Right. And let's see, I'm going to pass the mic to you, Anthony. Like, I just want to know what your thoughts are for the Heat going into this trade deadline. First of all, I got a little nervous there when K.A. said three Hall of Famers on the Clippers. Didn't mention Russ there for a second, but he, he corrected it. He corrected it, yeah. I was mentioning but, the three starters, but I, I got yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got I'm not ignorant. I'm not ignorant. <laughs> but going back to trade deadline stuff, the only guy that really interests me to an extent is Nick Claxton. Um, definitely need more size in the front court. Bam, not a big guy. Haywood, not a big guy. Kevin Love, not a big guy. I think Claxton's 6'11", if I'm not mistaken. Now, I am not for the opinion of letting Bam and Claxton start together, as unpopular as that might be. I don't think the spacing works there, just how the spacing wouldn't work if we decided to trade for a guy like DeMar DeRozan. But 
that doesn't mean that you can't play Claxton just as much as Adebayo on any given night. You have those minutes to give around because Haywood, like I said, is not a big guy. He's, I think, six foot five. We have every ability to play Haywood at the three. So to me, a guy like that, depending on what Brooklyn would be asking for, I'd be willing to trade for him. Um, whether or not Claxton would be willing to accept that role as a backup is a whole nother situation, just because depending on if he wants to win a championship, you know, because obviously Brooklyn's not in that situation or he's looking to get paid and become an all-star. So that's his decision to make. Right. I mean, I'll say this. I mean, do you guys have, do you, how do you guys feel about Nick Claxton? Like, do y'all think it's a realistic move? I mean, Cause I don't know. I just want to know what Brooklyn would ask for him. You know what I'm saying? Cause I do think there is potential with them that they might look at. I think any move is realistic, man. Again, it's just about what it costs. Cause what we got to realize is the Miami Heat ain't going to be nobody's suckers. Holla at Joe Cronin. I'm just saying like, they not going to be nobody's suckers. So we have to remember that if the price is right. And if the cost is, you know, efficient, then they're going to make the moves on their classing specifically. I want to look at the reports where the Brooklyn Nets um, were asking for three first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith. That was outrageous. Oh, looking my. at that, right? Ooh, they denied it. To, well, no, when not they denied it. They when someone offered it allegedly, they, they rejected not, it. Yeah, they rejected it. Right. So it, it's basically them saying we'll take, we want three first, but we're gonna deny this one to see if a fool gonna offer us more. No, and we'll circle back to that one because they denied it. But all they gotta do is make the call and be like. What's up with them three first? And you know what I'm saying? That team going to send the deal. So I say that to say, from my perspective, he's not their second best player, but their most valuable player from what he does from their team and on both sides of the ball, their most valuable asset. He would probably be their second most valuable asset in my eyes. Um, some You could probably make a case for him or DFS or even Spence because, you know, Spence is on boycott. So what you're seeing right now ain't really his game. But um, you can make the case that Claxton's their second most valuable asset. And I said that to say, if they're asking three first-rounders for DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith, what they going to ask for Nick Claxton? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's something going on with that front office they got over there. It's been looming ever since the whole trade situation went down with KD. I mean, they eventually, you know, went and sent him to his preferred destination, something that a certain bold loser over at Portland should take note on. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, Alex, how about you? Like, would you be welcoming to a Nick Claxton's Miami move? I'm welcome to any move that brings us <laughs> talent that is tall. He is talented. And he is tall. So I'm open to I'm I'm welcome and open to any move like that. But like I said, when it was my turn, well, when you first asked me about the um the trade deadline, I just really do have a feeling that if anything, they might try and make a move to to um to chop off the, the luxury tax bill to like get closer mm -hmm. under the tax. And then just try and ride this out, maybe see what they can get in regards to um, somebody in the buyout market. And then this summer, they really hopefully take a look at this because, I mean, as we as we know, like the 
the front office they they love they they well what what does Barry like to say? They like their team. <laughs> they, yeah, I say they, yeah, they, we've we've they've liked this team, they've liked this build, and they I guess with them making the Terry Rozier move, would like to see, all right, well let's just see if Terry like I said, if Terry and Tyler can play together and whoever we have at the at the three or four, since Jimmy doesn't like to say he's a power forward, even though he plays like a power forward. And but yeah, man, like um it's yeah, man. Like I said To Alex and to 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 the coach's point. I'm sorry, Alex, to the coach's you point. Good, brother. But Go ahead. You gotta admit, a small forward in the nineties does play like a power forward today, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. So that's where we can meet in the middle. Right. Yeah, he is a power forward by today's standards, but he's still got that small forward build. So I agree yeah. with you. I just want to highlight the the way we 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 perceive it because of the eras. Because if you look at a Mark Aguirre, if you look at, you know, some of those guys that were small forwards that weren't really outside shooters, but they killed you on that baseline or from the mid-range or slashing or like them two-step dunks where it's like if you ain't there quick enough, somebody getting poked on. Like he's a that build. Mm-hmm. Right. So very much so. But like I said, to close my point, anybody who's tall and talented, I'm for it. All right. At least you mentioned the talented part. Cause you know, I don't know. I feel like the heat the what's it called? Everyone kind of worked up because of our I guess you could say misfortune with I don't know, Thomas Bryant, I don't know. I I didn't expect it to flop as much as it did bringing him on the team, but you know, you look at the Cody Zellers of the world and Dwayne Dedmans of the world. I know a lot of people not trying to relive that. So we'll see. And you mentioned a good point also where if a deal happens, it could be a potential move where they might try to save money. What would that move be? I don't know. If it's just like, I don't know, Thomas Bryant to the OKC Thunder and, it, and we give them a second round pick and nothing else in return, like... I don't know. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I don't know how the money works for some of these types of situations, but I really don't really have any guys that in my mind I could see the Heat trading for. You know, already people are trying to flirt the idea that maybe Kyrie could get traded from Dallas, and we don't even know if that's going to happen. You know, it's kind of like the Donovan Mitchell talks where it's like, okay, well, you know, this team isn't playing up to that standard with this player. They should try trading him when the truth is, is that the team that this player is on probably has zero interest in wanting to do that. If, you know, a guy like a Kyrie or whoever comes available, if you can go for it, sure. I know some people are kind of mixed with Kyrie because of his reputation in the past. But at this point, why not? You know, I'm for the vibes at this point. So there's that. And, you know, he can give me 27 points per game. But I'm not going to hype the Kyrie propaganda right now because, you know, we still got a team to work with right now. And like I said, there's no talks on whether or not that dude would even be available in a trade this deadline. But overall, is there any other names that come to y'all's mind or would y'all still be down with riding with this team we got now, hoping we can make some adjustments? P.J. Tucker, come back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> PJ, but like you can see under my name, I'm not okay with it. But at this point, it is what it is until this summer. That's my, like I said, that's my opinion. But we'll see. We got until Thursday at 
3 p.m. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm more of a buyout guy myself. I mean, I don't really see any because I don't see any logical moves out there, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. Now, a deal with the Bulls intrigued me, but it inevitably means moving Tyler. Point blank, period. And so if you're not ready to do that, and I'm not saying I want that to happen. I want people to understand I've never been a trade Tyler Hero guy. Hell, I always try to go out of my way to say I don't think he's the problem. I think the issue as a whole is maximizing everybody on the team. And to take it back to the Clippers game a little bit, you saw that. Like, the team flowed better. Like, they didn't struggle to get looks. Shots going to fall and shots not going to fall. But what you noticed on Sunday was that even in moments where the shot clock was winding down, I take a Jay Rich possession, a Jay Rich shot, for example, they got good looks off. They didn't get, they didn't have shot clock violations like talking about on Sunday. As, as a matter of fact, and speaking towards the defense, I spoke to us earlier when you think about the score of the game and criticizing the Miami Heat for not being able to crack 100 points. Again, when the Clippers only scored 103 to win the game, they forced the Clippers into three or four shot clock violations. Speaking of the tenacious defense and the effort they were putting in on that side of the ball. But back to the Miami Heat, again, shots are going to fall and they're not. You look at Hami Arquez missing bunnies. You look at a couple of more guys missing what should be easy shots. You look at Bam Adebayo still finding his offensive rhythm again. Um, But at the end of the day, what you also look at is the fact that the Miami Heat didn't have to labor for those shots like they typically do. You even look at specifically a guy like Terry Rozier who had his best performance on Sunday. That isn't by Kawinky Dink. Like, there ain't no coincidence. It's it's not. Rock rain. You've got to put guys in the best position for your team. And you have to stop catering towards guys' mentality because at this point, from the outside looking in, unless it's just something they're absolutely not telling us, that's all it can be because everybody can see it. Everybody Mm -hmm. can see it. Like, it's it's, it's really that simple. Um, You know, you got to bring that dude off the bench. Let him get his 25, 30 minutes off the bench. Because as I've been saying for a year and a half, two years now, it's not about him. It's about the rest of the team. And that inevitably helped the team because that helps the first unit guys perform to the, you know, the peak of their ability. That helps him perform to the peak of his ability. But as a whole, looking at your team, that means that you have an equitable first unit and second unit. There is no drop off when you're talking about an ability to produce points. Right. So before we move on to our next topic, is there anything you guys want to mention real quick or... All right, I'm going to take the... Oh, yeah. What else, what else I meant to mention was to Anthony's point. DeRozan is interesting, though. I know it would kind of like you you thinking off rip. Um, it would, like, destroy his facing. But that top of the key three-point line to free-throw line area that you see Kevin Love operating out of a lot. And in the last month or so, he's starting to give you more pump fake drive. Just that action alone um, to that mid-range. And then you can see some high-low action, which could actually help Bam out with some easy buckets too um, because DeMar loves to operate at that mid-free-throw-line area. It's like a built-in high-low. Um, I think that could work. And I feel like when you got K-Love in there, you're expecting him to shoot the three more. Whereas when you got DeMar in there, you're expecting him to drive, get to the cup, or drive and you know pump and midi you more. But I just feel like playing off of those and countering it by being able to throw the same look you know, from a shell-wise, but then adding those personnel to that specific skill set, I think that that could work. And the reason I mentioned the Bulls and trading Tyler is because if you're looking at the Bulls, you're going to try to get DeMar, you're probably going to try to get Caruso, and you're going to give Drummond a hard look at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
So overall, man, it's going to be interesting. Whether if it's we go out and we get a DeMar DeRozan, you know, whoever else is out there available, a Nick Claxton, if if they can make something work on a Dorian Finney-Smith and use their brains to realize that, man, it's not worth three first-round picks, let alone one, if we're being honest, I don't know. If they can use their brains on that, hopefully we can make it. Protect it. He worth a one, but he not worth a lottery pick. Does that make uh, sense? That's fair. Like if it's if it's lottery protected, he's worth a one. But you can't get a lottery pick from me for one. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, man, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to see what the squad does, and we will be talking more about the trade deadline as the time gets closer. We got more content heading our way, so. Be on the lookout for that real soon. And to wrap up today's show, we do got to talk about this upcoming game for the Heat against the Magic. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. How do y'all feel about this game? And do y'all see Miami getting the win against a team like Orlando that absolutely scorched Miami just like, what, one or two weeks ago? Uh, We'll start off with you, Kay. Yeah, we're going to destroy them because they think it's sweet. And we got our defense back. Point blank, period. I'm done. All right, perfect. Anthony, how about you? Um, I'm basically with Kay, except it's going to be pretty frustrating if we lose to them because I think we're, what, one game behind them in the standings? So even it, it up completely if we win this. So to me, that's the biggest reason we need to win. First step in the right direction and moving up those standings. And I do not end up in the playing tournament again. I'll tell you that much. Right. Like, I cannot – I mean, it was a cool story last year, but I don't know if my heart can take another play into the final story this year. You know, like, 60, sure, but, you know, I can't take a 7 to 80 going to the finals. It was good last year, but, you know, this time I could, you know, go without the plan. How about you, Alex? Um. So, hold up right now. I'm taking a look at this and box the, score from the last time. Duncan is questionable, by the way, and Tyler is out with the migraine. Okay, so, hmm. So you said, say that one more time. You was you was um, breaking up on my end. Oh, my bad. If I I don't know if I'm breaking up on all y'all's end. So my bad on my Wi-Fi quality. Um, so Duncan is questionable. Um, with concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyler, I believe they said he's going to be flat out out for tomorrow's game with the migraine. Nah, nah. Joe, uh, Tyler's probable, I think. Oh, really? I don't know. Cause yeah, I, I think he is playing. Oh, never mind then. My bad, y'all. My fault. I just well, that was make- that was that was the eyebrow raise for me because I'm like, all right, now if he's out three days with migraine, nah, nah, I think he's probable. There's something to that. Let's see, Alex, does it say probable on your end? I'm pretty sure it does. I said, yeah, I just saw, um, yeah, I just saw some, I think it was a tweet from Barry saying that um, that Tyler is probable. Yep. Well, and Brady, okay. yeah, Brady Hawk just tweeted, tweeted two hours ago, um, Tyler's probable and Duncan is questionable. Right. So, hmm, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it like this. I think if, if Tyler is there to be able to provide some more spacing and some more on um, volume three point shooting, I think that bodes well for us. But if both of them are out, then nah, they they gonna get us again. I mean, I respect that. I mean, because you do. It's like what you said earlier, Kate. Like 
you need your top two shooters, you know, in some of these situations. You know, if we had him in a game like against the Clippers, who knows how it could have went, you know. And overall, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We could have used Duncan last night, too, because, you know, I'm not saying specifically Tyler's fault for this, but one thing about Duncan is that he has his moments where he thrives when, you know, you put him in that starting two spot. So, you know, it was really a missed opportunity for him to not be in that game. Uh, but if you can get him tomorrow and Tyler, you know, that's great for the squad on the offensive end. But, yeah, I mean, is there anything else y'all want to add in? or? I'll put it to you like this, man. Yeah, that's going to be important. And, and, I, and I take it back to Alice's point of looking at that last box score. I want to say this. In that last game, between Bam Adebayo, Caleb Martin, and Jimmy Butler, they made 18 of their 34 attempts, right? Mm -hmm. The rest of the team made 5, 6, 7, 8, 11, 12 of their 23, 26, uh, 32, 38, 42 attempts. The rest of the team went 12 of 42, and those – Three guys went 18 of 34. That's 30 of 80 combined. But if you shoot like that as a team, you're going to lose every game that you play. I don't expect that to happen again. And this is in the midst of when this Miami Heat team was still trying to remember how to play defense. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I mean, shoot, last year, you know, we wasn't shooting that beautifully in the regular season, too. But we eventually figured it out when it mattered the most. And now, bro, that was that was regular field goal. Like they shot again, they shot 32 percent from three. But that was like just overall shots like they couldn't make a layup. It felt like so that's a, like I don't think and I think that you made great point, Joe, not to cut you off. The Miami Heat shooting is what gives me confidence, bro. Like, as long as their shooting is there, they can fix everything else. I'm, oh, my God, I sprayed the camera. They can fix <laughs> everything else as long as their shooting is there, bro. Um, and, again, we've seen that in the last couple of games. Not that they've been the best we expect them to look on defense, but what they've done is tried. Mm -hmm. They put the effort in, and it looks different when they put the effort in. And, again, you know, Spo got to let his nuts drag and make those rotational changes that he needs to make. Point blank period. Right. Is there anything else y'all do want to say before we wrap up this episode? Oh, I didn't know we were at that point. I would have just kept going. Um, <laughs> Listen, speaking to the play-in tournament notion of it all, I'm with y'all. I don't want to be in that situation again. Everything else I've said, everything else you guys have said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, New Bill. He did not win the chip. Um, Everything else you guys have said are the reason I believe that this Miami team can still thrive, but I'm not even just looking at them. When you look at the Boston Celtics, I've, I've been saying it all year, Fugazi. Like, they can shoot themselves in it, they can shoot themselves out of it. But you look at the Lakers game, they dropped that game. That That's a bad loss, bro. That's a horrible loss. It shows you they have chinks in their armor. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks. They, I mean, I didn't, what, what they got outscored, 40 to 17 in the yeah. fourth period in their most recent game? I mean, they have chinks in their armor. Like, their defense is only going to get so much better. You look at Philly, I mean, Lord knows. Is Joel Embiid going to play again this season? I'm just saying. The Miami Heat aren't alone in having to figure out their things, but at least the things they're having to figure out, there are clear, logical, real answers that can be fixed. The rest of these teams, bro, the problems that they got, it's really not as simple as the Miami Heat's, and that's something that encourages me. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, and like I said, we hopefully we can see those adjustments being made and, you know, see this team look a lot better once those certain, what's it called, I guess, touch-ups are being placed. You know, there's no reason why to believe this team won't have what it takes to win a championship, you know. And I like their chances because Milwaukee shot themselves in the foot by getting Doc Rivers of all people, so I'm not worried about them. Philly, you know, they got their injury problems right now. And everyone else after that, I feel like, speaks for themselves. You know, they don't they don't really impress me like that. You know what I'm saying? You didn't mention I'm, Boston? You didn't even mention Boston. Them. Joel is so braggadocious. <laughs> you know, but um, everyone else, like New York, I know everyone's been gassing them up because they've been playing pretty good ever since they got OG. But, you know, it's the Knicks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's New York Knicks, man. Like, I'm just not impressed with that squad. You know, they got a nice little story for them. And shout out to them for actually being a competent organization for once in the past decades. So, you know, I'll give them their flowers for that. But aside from it, I'm not really concerned about them either. It's really us in Boston right now. And Boston, like you mentioned, K, they don't really, I mean, if they can easily shoot themselves out of the game and, they also, I've mentioned it so many times, like, their squad, like, there's only six guys on that squad, that rotation, who you can say certain things about. Whether if it's guys like a Jason Tatum, you know, they was allegedly supposed to have four All-Stars on that squad this year. And all I will say is this, if they don't win the championship this year... I don't want to hear a single excuse. I don't want to hear that Jason Tatum's ankle was bent out of shape or whatever, like what they were saying last year after Game 7. I want to hear none of that. Because y'all allegedly was supposed to have four All-Stars this year in Indiana. Okay, y'all only got two. But I was being told throughout these past few weeks that y'all had four of them. Okay? There is no reason why y'all shouldn't be able to win a championship if y'all believe you have that much talent on your squad. So even if something, and God forbid anything bad happens to one of our opponents, you know, even if it does benefit us, um, but if something, if we, if Tatum is back in that same situation, like game seven, where he does hurt his ankle, I don't want to hear how, oh, the team was just cooked after that. How would you expect them to win? Well, y'all got three more All-Stars after that, right? Why didn't they step up and take the load off of him? That's how, that's and, the person having for All-Stars. two Hall of person. Famers that you're not even mentioning. And exactly. two Hall of Famers that you're not even mentioning. That mm -hmm. are a huge part of that rotation and Al Horford and Drew Holiday. I had to throw that out there because you back. Yep. I mean, you preach it. So overall, I don't want to hear it because this is it for y'all. Y'all was running around saying y'all had the most well-rounded roster last year, and yet y'all still resorted to making excuses, dropping the first three games of a series against the Heat. Mind you, if y'all had probably at least won one of those first two games in Boston, who knows what could have happened for y'all. The series went to seven, so if y'all actually played some competent basketball, during that time frame, maybe y'all could have won the series. Who knows? But y'all flopped. Y'all chose not to do it. So I don't want to hear them excuses now. I don't want to hear about Tatum's ankle or whatever. All right? I want to see y'all show why y'all believe y'all win the y'all can win the championship. Because y'all have the talent to do so from what I've been hearing lately. Especially the fact that you got all these people saying this and that about Derek White. And I'll give him his flowers. Because I know people have been saying that he's been good to the point where he might be their second best player. I'll give him his props. And I'll try my best to give some flowers to Kristaps if possible. I don't know. Something about him doesn't hit me right, but I won't get into it. Overall, just show that y'all capable of winning the championship. Because one thing y'all not finna do is what y'all did last year and try to change the goalposts, you know, the second y'all lose, okay? 
I don't want to hear nothing about Sinomenko or anything else, any other excuse y'all have in mind. With that all being said, is there any final word y'all want to say before we officially wrap this up? All right. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast. Make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. Me at JoelKJacob underscore. A K at K underscore said underscore K. Make sure to follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Passi. That's P-A-S-C-I. And make sure to follow Alex on Twitter at underscore Coach Lewis One. And make sure to follow Heat vs. The World on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We got so much content heading our way. A new episode of Biscayne Breakdown should be coming out in a few days from now. So be on the lookout for that. And overall, man, let's enjoy the season, bro. Hopefully, we'll get this figured out. We'll see if the Heat end up doing something at the trade deadline. We'll just have to wait and see for that. But overall, man, keep y'all hopes up. Don't let Anthony's name fool y'all. The Heat are going to find a way in some way, somehow, win this championship, all right? So with that all being said, thank y'all for tuning in. And hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World Podcast.